We are in the middle of a series, Fear and Faith in Uncertain Times. Are the times uncertain? They're so uncertain. However, I buttress these uncertain times with a smartphone and a smart watch. I've got smart things that I have with me all the time, which means, friends, I'm never alone. (laughs) My smart, smart things are listening to me. In fact, I'm demonstrating the fact that they're listening to me today. So a few weeks ago, Jenny wanted to go to Belk to buy some sheets. And I rarely do this. I I actually bought something in a department store, and I bought my first pair of khakis I've had in 20 years. And I've had several conversations with people about the fact that these are the first pair of khakis I've had in over 20 years. Several conversations I've had. (laughs) Keep in mind, okay? So... My Facebook feed has changed. My Facebook feed has changed. So there's my smart devices. Oh, look, it's an ad for pants. And if you go further, it's an ad for more pants. Twillery, they've got great pants, Max. You'd like those pants better than the khaki pants you're wearing. Not that we would know. And then more pants. And if that's not enough, even more pants. I got another one. Lulu. I didn't know Lulu made pants for guys. And then there's the whole bird dog thing. If you're a bird dog guy, I don't want to know. I don't want to know anything about pants that you don't do with underwear and stuff like that. But that's a whole new category of pants. I know. It's a thing. It's a thing. And if that's not enough, there's the vu- virtually expensive pants, the Veruri Cascade Teco Chino, which I think is Italian. Okay, so I say all that because the other thing that's true about my smart devices is that with these things that appear in my Facebook and my Instagram feed, with one click, with just one click, bing, it will be at my doorstep two days later because now they all talk to each other. And when you click on one of these things, they're like, hey, you have an Amazon account. Why don't we just link up? We'll make this simple. Just click this button. Click. And there it arrives two days later. That's dangerous for me. That's dangerous for me because one click can become two clicks. Two clicks can become five clicks. Five clicks can become 20 clicks. And then it's a bunch of impulse clicks. And stuff arrives in these boxes from Amazon. But each click costs something. And if you're not careful, you can click your way into a place where you're like, Oh, man, what happened? Have you seen the Amazon bill this month? You know, and then there's the husband-wife conversation. Well, I only did, you know, and then that plays out. 71% of the American economy is actually fueled by spending. Three-quarters of our economy is built on the fact that you and I are going to buy stuff and click stuff. And even, even though things have changed, so here's one way it's changed. The Wall Street Journal reports that Americans are actually borrowing money to stay in the middle class, and that credit card debt from 2022 to 2021 is up 13%. So this amount here, this $1,233 a month, is the average amount of money a month that Americans just send off to debt. So this is what we're sending off in any given month to just service debt of any kind. 
And so today I want to remind you that debt and freedom move in opposite directions. <laughs> debt and freedom move in opposite directions, okay? And d Americans, despite how much they say they love freedom, we got freedom fries, freedom highways, we got all kinds of freedom this and freedom that. Despite the fact that we say we love freedom, we also seem to love debt. And so that click by click, decision by decision, decade by decade, most Americans find themselves at age 45 in a job they hate but can't quit because they've got house payments, car payments, student loan payments, and credit card payments. And so I want to plant a seed today. And the seed is very simple. And this is my bottom line. Debt is about power and control. And debt rules like Sauron, <laughs> okay? You want to avoid debt the way you would avoid Sauron. When God launched the very first nation that was going to be God nation, we're going to do things God's way. By the way, that the name of that nation was the nation of Israel. God made a promise, and that's found in Deuteronomy chapter 28. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work that you do. You will lend to many nations, but you'll never need to borrow from them. You'll lend to many nations, but you'll never need to borrow from them. In other words, the measuring stick that you've got God on your side is that you're lending money to other people, but you're not needing to borrow. Now, based on just this one statement, this one measuring stick, would you say that most Americans and America in general is, is winning or losing? Losing, right. We are in debt. We're a nation in debt. There's a proverb in there. Just as the rich rule over the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. So this proverb's actually talking about freedom and power. And only the rich have the kind of access to power that money brings. Only the rich call the shots. There's no question in this proverb who has the power. Borrowers are at the mercy and control of their lenders. And so Proverbs is warning us that borrowers are <gasps> slaves. Borrowers are slaves and lenders are kings. Borrowers put themselves under the power of the lender. Borrowers give up their freedom. It's true of individuals, and it's also true of nations. I have thoroughly enjoyed watching Netflix series, The Crown. If you've not seen it, it's fiction, but it's great to watch. <laughs> and it follows the life of Queen Elizabeth. Now, if you're Great Britain, your kind of pinnacle moment was in the dark days of World War II. We shall fight them on the beaches. We've, you know, you got Winston Churchill speaking for you. You alone are standing against Hitler. You're all that's left because America won't enter the war. Okay, and so pinnacle moment. After World War II, Britain's in trouble. Their currency's in trouble. They've borrowed all this money they can't pay back. They're in a tough spot. In fact, there's a moment before the United States enters the war where Winston Churchill is talking to Franklin Roosevelt, basically begging for more planes because the Germans are shooting down all their planes <laughs> and they need more planes. And they're buying the planes with, guess what? 
money that America's lending them to buy planes that America's making for them. See who the king is and the servant is in that relationship. So in 1954, in 1954, the colonial uh, government structure of Egypt collapsed. And so Britain and France decided that they were going to take back Egypt and Britain invades. Only Dwight Eisenhower is president of the United States then, and he gets on the phone and he calls the prime minister of Great Britain and he says, you will stop this invasion and turn around, or tomorrow morning I will announce to the world that the United States is no longer borrowing, uh, buying uh, British treasuries. In fact, I will announce to the world that we're dumping all British debt, which would mean that the British pound sterling would collapse, it would be chaos. So you know what the prime minister of Great Britain did? Yes, sir, Mr. Eisenhower. And all their troops and ships and tanks turned around and they went back home. The borrower is servant to the lender, okay? If you're here today and you're a student, you're, you're going to be a high school student, a college student someday, I want you to remember that each time you borrow money, you're actually giving away freedom. Each time you borrow money, you're giving away freedom and you're limiting your choices about your future. Now, in America, we tend to talk about smart debt and dumb debt. And we say that smart debt is debt that's uh, borrowed against something that increases in value, typically a house. And that dumb debt is bar money borrowed against something that decreases in value, typically a car. Although recently, right, those could be flipped. <laughs> so... We say that, but in either case, the more debt that we have, the less free that we are, which brings me to Proverbs chapter 6. Um, Proverbs chapter 6. If we'll go back to the first few verses there, the previous slide. We'll get there eventually. All right, well, maybe not. There we go. My child, if you've put up security for a friend's debt, or agreed to guarantee the debt of a stranger, if you've trapped yourself by your agreement and are caught by what you said, follow my advice and save yourself, for you've placed yourself at your friend's mercy. Swallow your pride. Swallow your pride. Go back. Yeah. Go back and beg and have your name erased. Don't put it off. Do it now. Don't rest until you do. Save yourself like a gazelle escaping from a hunter like a bird fleeing from a net. Are you catching the urgency that the writer of Proverbs has here? Basically, the writer of Proverbs is doing the whole, run, forest, run. Right? You want to get away, okay? Here's the deal. I want you to be free. As your pastor, I want you to be free. I want you to be free to follow God. I want you to free, be free to be generous. I want you to be free to make, do the stuff that you want to do and God wants to do in your life. And so America doesn't want you to have that kind of freedom. Even though America talks about freedom, what America wants and what America tends to do is get its tentacles in your life so that you don't have freedom to do a lot of things because you got all these payments and you got all these obligations and you can't and you find yourself stuck, Okay. In Romans chapter 13, verse 8, Paul says this, Owe nothing to anyone except your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirement of God's law. So the only debt that God wants us to have is the debt of love. Now, I want to make some caveats. 
I know that America doesn't work as well as it used to. A lot of Americans are in debt right now because of silly things like medical bills. Or then there's the whole housing thing. I mean, who can afford that? Or college. Back when I went to college, I could work all summer long and then work during the school year and I could pay for tuition. You cannot do that now. I did that at a private school in Chicago, okay? So I understand that the rules have changed, okay? And I understand that it's harder. And of all the things that I'm saying to you today, I don't want you to walk out these doors going, well, Pastor Max says I'm a loser, blah, blah, blah. No, that is not what this is. I just want you to have some urgency to take some steps to get out of debt if you're in debt and to take some steps toward freedom. Because I believe Jesus was the freest man that ever lived and Jesus offers freedom and life. And that's what I want for you guys, okay? So let me suggest a few ways to take that home. But before I do that, I want to pose a few questions. And my first question is simply this. What views of debt were modeled for you when you were growing up? What was modeled for you in your home? That debt was just a part of life? Did your dad or mom sing this song? I owe, I owe, I owe, I owe. It's off to work, I go. You know, is that, is that what it was? Did, did the story that they tell you is, oh, honey, you're always going to be a dad. It's just how it is. You can't ever get out of it. It's just the way life works. What was modeled for you at home? And then the second question, if the primary metaphor for financial debt in the Bible is slavery, do you need to make some changes to your approach to debt and to the debt that you have? And then lastly, what are you most afraid of right now? Is debt amplifying those fears or helping squelch those fears? Okay, so now I feel comfortable that we can talk through some practical application. First and foremost, pray. Notice we've prayed a few times today in church. It's a good thing to pray. You find yourself in a lot of debt. I want to encourage you, pray. Go to the Lord. Uh, there's a wonderful account in the book of 2 Kings about a widow whose husband borrowed too much money and then the guy died on her, leaving her and her sons debt slaves. And she cried out to God and there's an amazing story of deliverance there, okay? But pray, God cares, so why not talk to him about all of your life, including your financial life? Number two, sell. We have this wonderful thing on Facebook in Jessamine County called the Jessamine County Online Yard Sale. <laughs> you don't even have to get a permit from the city and put your stuff out on the curb. You can take a picture of it and post it online. And people will be like, will you take 50 cents for that? And then you have to do the, no, <laughs> okay? But sell, sell things if you need to generate some extra income. Most of us have more than we need. And there are things that we could sell if we're in debt and we need to find some ways to generate some extra income. It pains me to say this, but I had a friend who when he was young, he was 27, 28 at the time, he had a medical procedure, he didn't have insurance, he had medical debt, and do you know what he sold to pay the doctor? His kayak! He sold his kayak, it rips the heart of me, to quote Tolkien again. Okay, so it just, but he did that and he got out of debt. He has another kayak today, but he's also 40, okay? <laughs> Third, work. 
your pastor works a part-time job from time, time to time to generate extra money for tuition payments and other things. Um, if you've got the energy and the time to take something on like that, a second job can do wonders. Um, number four, Dave Ramsey talks about this, food, clothing, shelter. After that, draw a line. The after, below the line, if you get paid, you get paid. <laughs> I read about a guy who did this. He was getting calls from creditors, the threatening kinds of calls. You're a worm. Why aren't you paying us? So he did this. He said, look, money's really tight. I know I'm in a lot of debt. I'm in trouble. But I'm paying food, clothing, shelter. And then for all the debts that I have, I put the names of those creditors in a hat and I pull out names and pay the minimum payments that I can. And when I run out of money, I stop drawing names. If you don't stop calling me, I'm not ever putting your name in that hat. <laughs> you can take that and run with that if you need to do that, okay? Turn off one-click settings. I don't, I don't have one-click set up on my phone or my whatnot, mostly because when the kids were little, I was just paranoid, even though I had a password that they would somehow come in, hack my computer, and then days later, you know, Bob the Builder and all of his toys would show up at my house. Like, I didn't want that to happen, so I was paranoid, but... Turn off one click if one click is taking you in a direction that you don't want to go. And then last but not least, if you're not familiar with this, Dave Ramsey will often talk about using a debt snowball where you list your debts from biggest to smallest and you go after the smallest debt first. And once you pay that off, then you rotate whatever energy and money you have into the next smallest. And he says, it's not about interest. You know, it's not about interest. It's about getting momentum to get someplace that you want to go, okay? And I would say this to you as a matter of practical advice. If you've got debt and debt's overwhelming and blah, 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 step number one, get yourself an emergency fund. All last year during the stimulus money, we challenged you to do two things. Give some of it to church, but the first thing we asked you to do was get Anna emergency fund so that an emergency fund protects you and prevents you from using a credit card for a broken water heater or a radiator on a car that burst or those kind of things in life that come up or my tires are flat what happened you know that kind of stuff so that you're not charging things so that you're prepared for things so get an emergency fund first before you start to tackle debt now i want to talk about some practical advice if i can and i want to talk to you parents so particularly you parents of adult children. Hi, parents of adult children. Please, 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 if you have money that you want your children to have, give it to them. Don't lend it to them. Thanksgiving dinner tastes really, really different when you're sitting at the table with your lender. <laughs> I had a friend once who... Uh, his father-in-law wanted to take this cruise and it was an inopportune time and he was a doctor and da 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 but his father-in-law had he had borrowed all kinds of money from his father-in-law and he said Max I don't want to go on this trip but I have to I owe the man a lot of money right so if you're a parent and you've done well in life and you've got I had a friend once uh, they had one income it was not a very good income it was a teeny income 
and only one of them had it. The other person was a stay-at-home parent. And I had a, there was a family event and I was talking with uh, her father-in-law. And I found out that this man was writing $12,000 checks to a seminary that he had never attended just because he liked them. He was burning through money and I was watching his kids struggle. And I remember having the conversation with him why are you doing this? He said, well, I have to do a mandatory, mandatory drawdown. I have all this money, and so I have to start emptying the accounts by law. I was like, set up a trust fund for your grandchildren. Like, like <laughs> ding, 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 ding. You know, I love the seminary. I appreciate it, but come on. And so these kinds of things matter. Now, if you're 70 years old and you don't have it and your kids are struggling, don't give and don't lend. God's going to, they're going to have to do what they're going to have to do. God's going to have to do what God can do, right? All of those things. But if it's a situation where you're like, I'll, I'll lend you this money, son, daughter, but I've got to have this back. This is my retirement. Then don't be doing that. Okay. So that's the first thing. The second bit of advice has to do with you parents whose kids are younger. So if your kid is about to go through high school, I want to ask you to do something. At some point, by the time they're a senior, open them a checking account and make them start paying all of their school expenses, all of their stuff themselves. Make them do it. You're like, what? Here's why. Here, we've done this for all of our kids. Senior year, we open a checking account and depending upon how flush mom and dad are, we put the amount for the whole year at once or we put a certain amount in the checking account a month, right? And they have to pay all of their bills from it. My son, John, when he was a junior in high school, would run everyone home after band practice. He would go to Wilmore. He would go to all these well-to-do neighborhoods, you know, off of Harrodsburg Road. He was driving everywhere when dad was putting gas in the tank. Do you know what miraculously changed <laughs> when he started senior year having to put gas in the tank by himself? Hey, I'll run you home, but can I have a couple of dollars for gas? Like, it changed his whole outlook. Um, Maddie doesn't have her own checking account yet, but I've been queuing her into family finances, and we, we do the shopping stuff together. And she's joined her dad on the, inflation is killing me bandwagon, okay? <laughs> and Maddie's like, we can't even afford to eat. And I'm like, tell me about it. Preach, sister. Give me five, right? So, so these kinds of steps are important. So if you've got kids... By the time they're a senior, please open them a checking account, make them pay their own bills because it helps them see money in, money out, right? Um, if I can talk to you young people for a moment, everything in America is designed to help you to see that this little piece of plastic is your entry into adult life. If you've ever seen Star Wars, I want you to remember Admiral Akbar. It's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. The credit card company does not want to help you. They want to help them. That's who they want to help. And so I want you to see that it's a trap. And then secondly, if I could say this to young people, college is, not, is no longer an ideal place to figure out what you want to do in life. If you're not sure, college costs so much now. Exercise tremendous, tremendous uh, caution. One of the things that we've insisted with our kids when it comes to college is if they want to go to a private school, we've had a, what we call the mom and dad debt ceiling. This is the maximum amount that you may borrow 
if you choose to go to this private school that, you know, da, 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 da. And so that they decide before they ever set foot on campus what that amount is, right? Here's, here's why this matters. My parents were actually paycheck poor. So I grew, up, I grew up with a spirit of poverty. I grew up in a household where, you know, we never had money or extra for anything. We didn't do family trips. We never did family vacations. The only kind of trips we ever took were to see grandma and grandpa, Uncle Carl and Aunt, Aunt Mary. You know, we didn't travel. We didn't do those kind of things. When I was in uh, junior high school, I more or less had just two outfits. Mom would do the laundry about every two or three days, and that's what I had, a maroon one and a gray one. Mom, if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> okay, she does listen. Um, <laughs> so, so we were just, we didn't have anything. And so uh, I remember every car that my dad had, and this, again, was in, in the 70s, they were always old, they were always rusted out. And I remember thinking, man, someday, one day, I am not going to drive around a rusted out car, right? Because you always react to the parenting that you experience. Um, I think to this day, I've never asked my mom this, but I, I would bet that uh, dad was the income winner. Mom almost never had a job outside the home. I don't think my dad ever broke $70,000 a year in income. In fact, I don't even think he ever broke $60,000. But when Brent and I were out of the house, and when the house was paid off, and they didn't have any debt, all of a sudden they had financial margin that they didn't have. And in 2009, they did something that was absolutely insane. I don't know if you're old enough to remember 2008. 2008 was this giant, the sky is falling. We're all gonna die. Oh, financial ruin, Whoa! And there were several real estate markets where houses that were worth, you know, a million dollars, you could now buy for a penny. Not that much, but like <laughs> there was real estate collapsing all across the United States. So in 2009, my parents actually bought a house in Melbourne, Florida. Do you know how much they paid? They paid cash for it. Do you know how much they bought the house for? $52,000 out of foreclosure from a bank, right? Okay, so if you've ever wondered, yeah, I hear you talk about the parents in this house on the coast in Florida. Yes, do not think 1.5 million, think 52,000, okay? <laughs> That's what you should think, $52,000, they bought this house. They weren't rich, they just had margin. Imagine what you could do if you had no monthly payments of any kind. Like you wouldn't even need extra income. You'd get a pay raise overnight. You'd have extra for all kinds of things. And so that's what I want for you. I want you to have the freedom to follow God, the freedom to do the things that you have in your heart to do. And I know that debt and freedom move in opposite directions.